Well, good day, everyone. Welcome again to Alpine Church. I was going to say good morning, good afternoon. I didn't know what to say because it's like 1150-something. So good day, everyone. Welcome to Alpine. My name is Scott Krebs. I'm a teaching pastor here at Alpine Church, and I'm so glad to be with you here today. If you're a guest with us, this is your first time at Alpine. We just want to welcome you again, and glad you chose this Sunday to be here and brave the weather and everything. And we're all about helping people pursue God, so wherever you are on that journey, we want to help you take the next step. Now, today, I get to talk to you about grace, which is one of my favorite things to talk about at any time with anyone. And last week, we started a series on grace called Help Wanted, God's Grace is the Help You Need. And we're talking about how God helps us in our lives. And last week we talked about how a relationship with God begins, forgiveness of sins and eternal life and all that kind of stuff starts and is really possible because of the grace of God in your life. But I have a fear. Here's my fear. My fear is that we might start the Christian life totally aware of God's grace, totally aware of how it's God's gift to us, but then we might continue on with a different mindset. We might start our relationship with God based on trusting in His grace and having faith in Him, but then we start to shift the focus. We might think that it's all about what I have to do. You see, pretty, easy, pretty soon in a relationship with God, you can think that it's all about keeping the rules, that it's all about being good enough, or that it's all about meeting other people's expectations. Have you ever felt that way? If you're a Christian, if you've been going to a church, have you ever felt like you had to live up to other people's expectations of, of what it meant to be a Christian? I'll always remember when we lived in Oregon, uh, one day I, I, my wife and I were at this restaurant, and they had a pool table, I was playing pool, and somebody from our church came, into the, came in and saw me playing pool, and he said to me, what do you think Jesus would say if he came back and he saw you playing pool? And I, and I thought, well, I, I think he'd want to play the next game because you just like to party, you know, like, <laughs> like to have fun in the Bible. But, but, you know, those are, some people have expectations of what Christians should do or what Christians shouldn't do. And what I want us to see today is I want us to see that really it's not about any of that stuff. It's not about being good enough, keeping the rules. It's all about God's grace. So today we're going to talk about help that keeps on helping because the simplest definition of God's grace is God's help. When God helps you. And so, just so we're all on the same page, a quick definition of grace is that grace is the quality of God's character by which he helps us and blesses us with good gifts without requiring anything in return. So this is part of God's character. It's part of his attributes, his characteristics. This is what God is like. God is a God of grace. And he helps us. He's on our side. He wants what's best for us. He sees us in in need, he says this with a problem, and he wants to help. That's God's grace. So he helps us, and he blesses us. He wants the good for us. It's not like God wants us to have a bad life, or he wants to just get us or zap us with lightning bolts from heaven or anything like that. God helps us, and he blesses us with good gifts, and he doesn't require anything in return. So God's grace means that God helps us even though we don't deserve it, even though we're not worthy of it. We don't merit God's help, and yet he still loves us and he still helps us. That's God's grace. And so that's what we're talking about for four weeks. Last week, we focused on grace and the role that grace plays when we come to God, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Today, I want to talk about how we live our lives based on faith and how we live our lives based 
on the sustaining grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The grace is the foundation basis of the Christian life. If you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, you're not yet a follower of Jesus, my prayer is that you will see that grace is just as vital for the life that you would lead as a Christian as it is the moment you became a Christian. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So to begin, I want to look at a verse with you, 2 Peter 3.18. 2 Peter 3.18 is the end of Peter's letter, second letter, his final letter in the Bible. And at the end of his final letter in the Bible, he warns against false teaching and he warns against people that might lead us astray. And then he ends with this command, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what does that tell us about the Christian life? It tells us a few things. First of all, it says that the Christian life is all about growing. It's all about growth. It's all about change. That God isn't just like saving you one day and then that's it. That's all he wants to do in your life. And it's all about the future. It's all about heaven. No, the Christian life is about growing and developing and becoming the person that God created you to be. So, As Christians, if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, God wants you to grow, and he wants you to grow especially in two ways. One of those ways is really makes a lot of sense to me. It's that second one, grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I know what that means, to grow in the knowledge and Savior of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means to know more about Jesus, to know who he is and what he accomplished. It means that we study and understand his teachings in the Gospels. It means that we pay attention to the teachings of his followers, the disciples, the, the apostles, the apostolic record that we have in the New Testament and Acts and the epistles. That's what it means to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But the other part is trickier. Grow, Peter says, grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. How do you grow in grace? What does that even mean? What does that look like? How do you know if you're doing it? One thing I know that that means, I know it means that grace isn't just for salvation and then grace ends, and it's based on works for the rest of your life. If we're to grow in grace, that means there's more for us to experience of God's grace as the years go by. And so what I think it means, I think it means that we have a greater understanding of God's grace, a deeper appreciation of God's grace, and that we're able to better apply God's grace to every part of our lives. And so with all that in mind, let's do that. Let's talk about how to do that. How do we apply God's grace in our lives? First off, as Christians, we need to realize that we are always dependent on God's gracious help. We're always dependent on God's gracious help. We never grow out of needing God's help in our lives. Something I've observed over the years, being a Christian and then mentoring people, mentoring Christians, I've noticed over the years that many people begin the Christian life totally aware of God's grace, Totally aware that salvation, forgiveness of sins is based on what God did for them, not anything that they did for themselves. And then they quickly slip into a works-based relationship with God. Like pretty soon as Christians, we forget about God's grace and we start thinking it's all about like God's happiness with me and God's love toward me is based on what I can do. And so many Christians, we all have different lists of those things that we think God wants us to do that will make us love him more, but they include things like read the Bible, (laughs) go to church, serve at church, give to the church, invite someone to church, you know, help people in, the, in our society, help people out in the world, serve. Like there's, our lists might be different, but most of us have a list in our heads and we think if I do all these things or if I do most of them, then God is going to be happier with me. God's going to love me more. And on the flip side, if I fail to do them, then God may not love me as much as he used to, or God might be disappointed in me. 
This is a works-based system of having a relationship with God, and it's not found in the Bible. Christians have always tried to do this. If you're like, yeah, that's me. If you're like just to yourself admitting like, I kind of think like that sometimes. I think like if I, I follow my checklist in my head of what God wants me to do, he'll love me more or he'll answer my prayers more quickly or more like I want him to. Or, you know, if, if you think like that, you're not alone. You're wrong. Sorry. You're wrong. <laughs> but you're not alone in thinking that. Christians have thought that for a long time. Go back a couple thousand years, Christians in the city of Galatia in the Roman Empire, um, they had the same problem. They thought that, yeah, I got to I I come to salvation, I get forgiveness of sins through Christ, the grace of God through Jesus Christ, I put my faith in him. But then they said, but if I really want God to love me, if I really want God on my side, if I really want God to care about me, then I need to do certain things. And these Christians thought that way, and and here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to those Christians who felt that way. He said this, how foolish can you be? He's really pulling punches on this one, right? (laughs) How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You see, what was going on, they were saying, yeah, we're Christians. We believe that salvation is by Jesus, through Jesus alone, and we're all all about that. But then they said, but in order for God to really love us, to really be on our side, in order to make sure that we're good Christians and good standing with God, we have to do it all ourselves. It all became about their own human effort. They They tried to make themselves perfect by their own human effort. And Paul said, that's not how it works. That the Christian life from beginning to end is all about grace. Like we just sang about, from the moment you call upon the name of Jesus till the moment when the heartbeat fades and we see him face to face, it is all based on grace. Really, your entire life, from the moment you're born to the moment you die to your eternity in heaven, is all dependent on the grace of God. And so Paul came along and he said, you Christians have it all wrong. You, You got it all messed up. That's not how it works. It's always based on grace. Now, they had a different checklist than we do. If our checklist was reading the Bible and serving in kids' church or those kind of things, their checklist was a little bit different. They said that you have to become a Christian, you have to put your faith in Jesus, but then you need to also bring in a lot of Jewish customs and a lot of the Jewish religion. And so they taught that you had to keep the Sabbath and you had to to, uh, follow Jewish food customs and you had to be circumcised. And that's what they taught. And they taught the Christians, in order for you to be right with God, you have to do all those things. So imagine for a minute, just for a moment, imagine that we are in this church 2,000 years ago. We're in the ancient church of Galatia, first generation of Christians. Here we are. And let's say that we're in the church, and there's somebody new to our church who just became a Christian. Let's say his name was Felix, okay? Felix, good Roman name, right? Felix became a Christian. Felix was a pagan, grew up as a pagan. Now he's a Christian. He loves it. It's great. He's excited. He's telling people about Jesus. He's all, he's all about Jesus. It's changed his life. And so he starts coming to church at our church. And there he is. He's worshiping God, and it's all great. Until one day, some of the old timers come up to him <laughs> and say, Felix, we're so glad you're here. We're so glad you're a Christian. But just so you know, there's a few things you need to do if you really want God to love you. There's a few things that you haven't got right that you need to do if you really want God's acceptance. You need to observe the Sabbath, so you can't work on Saturday anymore. Um, you need to change your diet. You can't eat hot dogs anymore, Felix. Sorry. Sorry about that. No, no hot dog, no red lobster, Felix. None of that, okay? 
Jewish dietary laws. And then lastly, Felix, we're really sorry about this, but you got to get circumcised, okay? you got to, poor guy, right? I'd be like, I'd be like, I really got to pray about going to this church. I don't know, like, like maybe there's some other options for me. But that's what they were saying, that it's all about your, your effort, and that's what will make God love you more. And the Apostle Paul comes along and says, that's ridiculous. That's not how Christianity works. It's not about our effort, and yet that is the American way. The American way is I can pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I don't need help. I'm self-sufficient. I can do it on my own. But this is not how grace works. See, grace teaches us that God loves us unconditionally. God loves you today fully, completely, and totally in Christ Jesus. And he's not going to love you more or less in the future. And certainly your ability to be a good person or to be a religious person or anything like that is not going to affect his love towards you. That's a good thing, isn't it? That's a really good thing. Look at what Colossians 2 says. Colossians 2, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, how did you accept Jesus as your Savior? Did God say, okay, you followed enough of the Ten Commandments for long enough. Now you're a Christian. Congratulations. Or you went to church 45 weeks this year. You're a Christian. Congratulations. No, the Bible says that salvation, as we've said, and I'll say it like four more times today, it is a gift from God to you through the work of Jesus. You are saved not through anything you do, You're saved through the life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're saved by God's grace through faith in Him. And that's how you come to Jesus. And what does Colossians 2 say? That's how you come to God, and it's how you must continue to follow Him. We don't get rid of grace when we become Christians, but we experience more and more of God's grace in our lives. Your acceptance by God is not based on anything you do, but it's, about, it's based on what Jesus has done for you. So let's think about what this means for just a moment in our lives, okay? Let's think about what this means. Let's say that you do something that every Christian does at some point. Let's say you sin, all right? You fall short of God's standard. That's what sin is. God's like, here's how you should live your life. You don't do it. That's sin, okay? Let's, take, let's just take a, an example of a kind of sin that a Christian might do and see how this works, Okay? So let's say your sin is you lose your temper at one of your kids. Again, this is hypothetical for me. Just hypothetically, right? I got four kids. Hypothetically, let's say I lose my temper at one of my children, all right? Let's say I'm coming home from work one day, and I'm tired, and I'm hungry, and it's raining, and I get to my house, and I'm ready to pull into my driveway and call it a day, and one of my kids has left his bicycle in the driveway, all right? And so I got I to gotta stop my car. I got to get out. I got to take his bicycle. I got to put it in the garage because it's raining. So his bike's going to get destroyed. I got to put it in the garage. got to come out. got to get back in my car. Then I got to go put my car away. And I finally do all that, and I get in the house, and how do I feel? I'm mad, right? I'm mad, hypothetically. I'm mad, right? I'm upset. I find the offender, right? <laughs> And I'm like, why did you leave your bicycle out? We've only talked about this hundreds of times. Why would you leave it in the drive? Again, hypothetical, right? This came came too naturally right there, didn't it? But I'm like, what are you thinking? Do you want me to run over your bike? Do you want your bike to get destroyed? Who do you think paid for your bike? You know, all that stuff. And And I blow it and I just lose it on him. And I'm angry. And it's not like righteous anger, right? It's not like I'm mad at child trafficking and that's why I'm so upset. It's like my kid left his bike out, right? 
And so I'm like angry and I'm, and I'm just upset. And I let him know. And I let the whole house and our neighbors know how mad I am, right? That's sin. What happens then? Well, something has happened in my relationship with God, right? There has been some sort of disruption in my relationship with God and the fellowship I have with God. Because I can't be in sin and angry at my kid and then also sing like, hallelujah, Jesus, I love you, you know, like, this is all great. Like, obviously, something is, something is, is interrupted on a certain level my relationship with God. And so what do I need to do? I need to calm down. I need to confess my sin to God. I need to tell him about it. I need to admit it to him. That's really what confession is. It's admitting your sin to God. I need to recognize that I've been forgiven of this sin through the cross of Jesus Christ, just like all my sins, and I admit that to, to God. I repent. I say, okay, God, I want to walk a new way. I, I don't want to be the kind of dad who just blows up at his kids when they do little stuff. And then I go find that kid, and I apologize. And that's, that's living in the context of God's grace. It's understanding that it's not like I lost my salvation. I can't sin my way out of God's love. Jesus has already paid for my sins. And so I say, God, I blew it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I go to the person. Please forgive me. And then, you know, if there's any consequences, I got to deal with those. But then I move on. Sometimes as Christians, we think, that, it can't be that easy, right? We got to grovel. Got to do penance, right? <laughs> we got we to gotta make it up. We got to make up for it. And God says, that's not how it works. It's not based on merit. It's not based on works. It's based on grace. And so we have to live our whole lives in the context of God's grace as Christians. The second thing we need to understand is that God's grace changes how we think of ourselves. God's grace changes how we think of ourselves. Some of us think really highly of ourselves, maybe a little, a little too highly of ourselves. <laughs> Some of you probably think a little high, more highly of yourself than you should, and you know, you, you blame others for your faults, and that's a different sermon. But um, the rest of us, you might think too lowly of yourself, especially as a Christian. You might think too lowly of yourself than you should. Some of us, we think a lot of negative thoughts about ourselves, and that might come from a disapproving parent or teacher or coach from childhood, and that voice just kind of comes back into our heads. And, and we can take that voice and we can say, that's how God thinks about me. And so when we sin... We think, I blew it. God doesn't love me like he used to. God doesn't care about me like he used to. God's really unhappy with me. And yet when you read the Bible, you come along and you find that God says, actually, when you sin, my love for you hasn't changed. Romans 8, 1 says this. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ and you sin, and you will sin, if you feel feelings of guilt and shame, if you feel like God doesn't love you anymore, God doesn't care about you anymore, those feelings do not come from God. Because God says if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. You see, when you became a Christian, God forgave you of all the sins that you had ever done in your life, any sins that you were struggling with in the present, and any sins that you would do in the future. Did you know that? It was like a, it didn't just like clear the slate going back. It also goes forward. When you sin, it's not like you surprise God, right? It's not like when you sin, God's like, oh, if I had only known, I would not have forgiven you. <laughs> I would not let Jesus have died on the cross for you had I known what you were going to do. You don't surprise God. He knows what you're going to do and he loves you anyway. 
And he says there's no condemnation. Why is there no condemnation? It's not because you're a religious person. It's not because you're a perfect person. It's not because you're a good person, a moral person. not because you're worthy. It's because of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of your sins is not based on anything you do. It's based on Jesus Christ. That's why there's no condemnation. Now, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you are you know, living your life for yourself, or you're just kind of saying no to God, or you reject the gift of forgiveness of sins that comes, that is offered through Jesus Christ, then, then you do face condemnation from God. You do face God's judgment. But if you accept the gift of God of eternal life, then when you sin, there is no condemnation. Now, when you sin as a Christian, the Holy Spirit does something in you. It's called conviction. He convicts you of your sins. He comes into your life and he says, hey, Scott, what you're doing is wrong. And if I, if I know it's wrong and I'm trying to run from God, you ever, you ever try to, you, don't raise your hand, it's okay, but, you, but I'll raise my hand. You ever run from God? Yeah, right? And then the Holy Spirit's like, hey, I see you running. <laughs> what are you doing? Stop. It's conviction. And sometimes he'll slam you. That's, uh, you know, conviction. Get your attention. Why? Because God doesn't want you to have, remember we said it, when we sin, that disruption in our relationship with God, that disruption in our fellowship with God. God doesn't want us to experience that. We don't need to experience that because of the cross. And so God sends, so his Holy Spirit convicts us of sin so that we'll admit, okay, I messed up. I've done wrong. Forgive me. Admit our sin. Confess our sins to him. Repent. Say, okay, God, I'm going to turn the other direction. And when we do that, we are experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but we're not experiencing condemnation. Condemnation are the feelings of I've sinned so much, God doesn't love me anymore. I've sinned my way out of heaven. God will never forgive me this time. Those feelings do not come from God because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. And so if you're condemning yourself, that's not how God feels about you. That's not what God thinks. And you don't understand God's grace enough because God's grace doesn't condemn. It restores, it heals. One other thing this means is that we don't have to be phony with God. I'm so tired of phony religious people. And honestly, I'm so tired of phony, phony religious Christians. Aren't you? Aren't you tired of phony? If you're a guest here today and you're like, I'm tired of phony Christians, I'm also tired of those phony Christians too. And what grace means is you don't have to be a phony religious Christian who looks good on the outside who's like, oh, I got my life all together, everything's great, everything's wonderful, everything's good, but inside we're really messed up. That's a phony person, that's a phony Christian. You don't need to be that way with God. Because remember, God knows everything you've done. He knows everything you think. He knows everything you're thinking about doing. And you know what? He loves you anyway. He's still on your side. He still forgives you. He still cares about you. I, I really, that like really, God really like opened my eyes to that some years ago when I was like, I just can be honest with God because God knows everything I think. I'm not fooling him. <laughs> I'm not hiding my sin or my sinful thoughts from him. So why don't I just be honest with him? He loves me and he wants to forgive me and help me. And so you don't need to be a phony person before God. You don't need to be a phony person with each other. That's one of the great things about a church, especially a Christ-centered church, is that you don't have to be phony around these people, right? We don't have to be phony around each other. We don't have to pretend, we don't have to pretend we have life all together when we don't. I remember some years ago when I realized that, and I went to some of my friends and I said, hey guys, here's some of the sins that I'm dealing with right now. And guess what? They didn't say, ugh, you're weird. What are you doing? 
They weren't like, well, you better find new friends, Scott, because we don't want any of this. No, they were like, okay, well, we'll pray for you. We love you. You know, we're struggling too. Let's pray for one another. I remember going to my wife and, and telling her about some sin in my life, and she's like, yeah, I know about that. She's like, I've known for like eight years. I've just been waiting for you to admit it, you know? <laughs> she's like, I've, I've like, she's like, thank you, but yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've been praying about it, just, and God told me to l- let you deal with it on your own time, and, and she's like, eight years? I, I, she's, she's like, I thought it would take 10, so pretty good, pretty good by you. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, well, thanks, honey. <laughs> and then I'm like, you should have told me. And, she, and then I'm like, well, you shouldn't have. I wouldn't have believed you. And she's like, yeah, so anyway. But she didn't reject me, you know. And, and we don't got to be phony people because we're all saved by grace. If we were all saved by our own merit, if God loved us based on our own merit, then I guess we might want to be a little phony with each other because we wouldn't want to lose our place in God's love. But when we're all there because of Christ and his life and his suffering and his death and his resurrection, it doesn't really, it's not based on us at all. Not, uh, we're all at equal footing. That's grace, right? So, so we can be real with God. One last point. Let's end here for the day. God's grace changes how we live our lives. Every once in a while, I will talk with someone, and I will tell them about God's salvation that he makes available in Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. And someone will say to me, do you mean that all I have to do is say that I believe in Jesus and then ask him to forgive me of my sins and he will do it and then I can live the rest of my life doing whatever I want. Is that, is that how this works? Is that, some of you are like, yeah, I remember when I thought that. <laughs> First time I heard it. You're like, so I can, I can do whatever I want. And that's, that's not how it works. That's not the case. If you think that the forgiveness of your sins is just like this get out of hell free card that God gives you, right? Where you can live, you can live however you want, and then when you die, you go to the gates of heaven, you're like, hey, I got this right here, got to let me in. That's not how it works. Because if you have really experienced the grace of God in your life, if you have really experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in your life, it changes you. You are not the same person. Grace, God's grace changes you. Look at Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. Look at at what it says right there. The grace of God, God's help, that leads to salvation, that brings salvation, that that offers you the gift of salvation has appeared to all men. And the word men there just, just means people, everyone. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all of us. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In other words, God's grace changes you. If you receive the gift of God, of salvation, if you accept God's grace into your life, it will change you. If you're a Christian here today, I want you to think back to the moment you became a Christian, if you can remember that moment. Not everyone can, that's okay. But if you can, remember that moment that you became a Christian. Think about that moment. The moment that you accepted Jesus as your Savior was your next thought, this is awesome, I can sin however I want now. No, it wasn't. And if that was your thought, you probably didn't really become a Christian in that moment. Because you don't, ex- you don't recognize how much God loves you. You don't recognize how messed up you are. You, you don't throw yourself on the mercy of God and the cross of Jesus Christ and then say, 
thanks, God, now I'm going to go sin. <laughs> now, when you become a Christian, it doesn't mean that all of, your sins, all of your sinful habits go away at all. It doesn't mean all your addictions go away just like that at all. We still struggle with those things. But something has fundamentally changed inside of us, hasn't it? I'm sure if, if all of you got up here and shared your story, you would say, yeah, my desires began to change. My habits started to change, maybe slowly, but they started to change. I, I, I had a, a new purpose in my life, new direction. I started to become a better friend, or I, or I wanted to be a better friend. I didn't know how to do it, but I wanted that for myself. I wanted to be a better son or daughter or husband or wife or parent or whatever it is. That's God's grace. God's grace always heals, transforms, changes, makes new. That's why we need God's grace every day. Because it always heals, it always transforms, it always changes, it always makes new. If, I bet if I was to ask mo, many of the people who've been Christians for a long time, I bet you would say to me, it feels like I need God's grace more today than I did the day I became a Christian. Because that's how it feels most days for me. Most days for me, I feel like I need God's grace more than the day I recognized I was a sinner on my way to hell and I needed God to rescue me. How is that even possible? But that's how it feels. Because as you go on and on in your life, you realize how messed up you still are after all these years of walking with Jesus. You recognize how much hurt you carry around, whether that's stuff you've done or done to you. You you recognize your own brokenness, you recognize the complexity of your own life and the pressures of your own life, and you're like, I need God's grace more today than I did yesterday. And that's a really good place to be. That's a really good feeling to have, because you do. We need God's grace every day of our lives. So how have you been changed by God's grace? Have you accepted that offer, that free gift if not, today's the day to do it. And if you have, are you living by grace or are you living by some other standard? Are you trying to be good enough, worthy enough, religious enough? Are you trying to live based on someone else's standards? If so, it's time to stop and to remember and just enjoy the fact that your forgiveness and God's love toward you is not based on anything that you've done, but it's based on what Jesus has done for you. That's the gift that he gives us every day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Lord, may amazing grace just not be the theme song of Christianity, but may it be the, the, the cry of our hearts that we desperately every day need your amazing grace. God, I pray that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray that starting the Christian life led by your spirit, that we would not change and, and try to do it based on just our own effort and our own works, but would we always remain led by your Holy Spirit? Would we remember in our sin that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? May we see that your grace that has appeared to every one of us, when we take hold of it and accept it and receive it as a gift, Lord, that it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and all kinds of worldly desires and passions and that your grace helps us to lead godly lives. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you that your grace will sustain us each and every day through the end of our life and, in, and throughout eternity. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.